Okay, welcome back to the Multipod. I am one of your co-hosts today. My name's Ted, and I'm very pleased to be joined by Vanessa. I haven't seen you for a little while. Welcome back to the show. Hey, everybody. Thanks, Ted. I know it's been a while, so <laughs> I'm really happy to be back. <laughs> yeah, of course, anytime. And, uh, you know, it's just the great thing about doing this show is uh, having a nice team to do it, and we all help each other out. I'll be super busy over the summer, so you, you may not hear from me for a while, but uh, we all uh, kind of fill in the gaps and, and keep this thing going. It's been coming up on three and a half years now doing this show. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy. So awesome. Go yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a uh, Canadian show for you today, <laughs> at least in, in part for sure, because we are joined by a very special guest, uh, Marcy, who is coming to us from, uh, it's Ajax, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, just outside of Toronto. But originally, she's from Brazil. She'll tell us all about how she ended up in Canada. And of course, uh, Vanessa's in Edmonton, Alberta, but originally from the States as well. So That's I'm right. the one who's, um, <laughs> who was born in Canada, I guess. But hey, the three of us are here now, and we're certainly making the most of it. And uh, <laughs> so we'll... we'll uh, That'll, I'm sure, come up in some of our, our discussion and chat today, conversation about, um, you know, being here in Canada together. But uh, we really wanted to get to know Marcy and some of her story, as we like to do on this show, what brought her to the Puttyverse and the things that keep her busy. So for starters, um, Marcy, now let me think, you joined the Puttyverse um well, coming up on a year, it was around June of last year. Is yeah, that right? that's right. It was about June last year. Time goes by super quick. <laughs> yeah, especially <laughs> in a pandemic, but we won't talk about that today. <laughs> How did you discover the group? How did you find out about it? It was actually through Emil's uh, TED Talk. I was kind of in an interesting time in my life that I was facing career challenges, trying to think about the trajectory, and everybody was saying, do your MBA, specialize, just do one thing, stop trying to do everything. You're not going to go anywhere. And I was just like, mm -hmm. I can't believe that that's what everybody's telling me. And if everyone is telling me this, maybe I am crazy and maybe it is wrong and I should just settle with one thing. And I was just looking like how to find your one thing, how to figure it out, what's your calling. And I came across Emil's talk and was like, finally, someone understands me. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that's something that we all can relate to <laughs> in the community. So, yeah, yeah, that comes up from time and again on this show. <laughs> I also found the group through Emily's TED Talk. <laughs> yeah, it was it was amazing to finally have someone that explains that in a way that comes out that like people can understand. Because I always try to explain why I can't just do one thing, and it was like oh, you're impatient, mm -hmm. you need to dedicate, you need to put time into it. And I was so tired of hearing all of those things again and again. So it, it was very refreshing to have a different perspective on that. Mm -hmm. Was it kind of soon after that you joined the community? No, it wasn't. <laughs> I, I took a while. So I came across Emil's talk mm -hmm. and that was refreshing and kind of made me rethink uh, a lot of like, you know, if I don't want to be a specialist, what I want to be. And I bought her book. And I read the book and I think after I read the book, I was like, okay, I need to be part of the community. So it took me a little bit. <laughs> it wasn't immediate. Uh, I was like, I don't know. Let's try to look around first. Let's see if this is really right for me. Uh, I wanted to make sure that if I joined the community, I would have time to dedicate to it. Uh, and I know sometimes you join yeah. so many different groups that you don't have time to actually engage with. And I didn't want to do that. So I was waiting for the right time to do it. And I think last June with the pandemic and the lockdowns and not being able to go anywhere, I was like, you know what, this is 
there's so much negativity and all the conversations I'm having are so negative. I need to be part of a community mm. that <laughs> will not be another burden or another stressor. And that's when I joined and it was great because there was so much inspiring conversations happening and everybody's learning about something new and I'm learning about so many things from posts from other people. And that was exactly what I needed to kind of get out of that lockdown mood. So that was very, very timely for me. Nice. Yeah. It's, uh, this, this community lives and breathes positivity. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it really picks you up when you're feeling down and, you know, when you're having a down day and you come and hang out with people here, it certainly helps you feel better. I had sort of taken a break from the group just because I was really busy and kind of just forgot to log in for a while and uh, logged back in again in the thick of the pandemic and realized I was like, oh, is this going to be another place where we're just talking about COVID all the time? And I was pleasantly surprised to see that the wonderful moderators had kind of sequestered it into conversations that were just meant to be for that. So it wasn't just all over the group. And so it really has been a great place to get away from the pandemic. And you can choose to talk about it if you'd like to, but you don't have to. So they've done a really good job at that. Yeah. And, you know, I think sometimes we forget that even though we are living through a difficult time, there's just so much positive things happening and there's just so many positive things we can do. So I think being part of the community really helped me to focus on that to say, hey, we're all home. What can we do? So I, I've been picking up new hobbies. I've been spending more time in the backyard. I started practicing mm -hmm. cello. So it's like there's all these extra positive things that you now can find time to do instead of complaining that you can't do the things you used to, <laughs> right? So yeah, absolutely. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. So had you basically known about yourself, you know, as a kid or maybe young adult that um, without knowing the term, people usually come across the term multipotentiality or something similar, you know, later on in life, but it's something we still identify. We know there's something different about ourselves, right? Usually when you're younger, do you remember a moment that stood out for you? I think I never knew the name and uh, what people told me growing up is you have commitment issues you have authority issues, like you don't want to commit to things. You don't want to respect the hierarchy and the time that you need to put into things. So I always struggle with finding that what's wrong with me kind of thing. Uh, and I didn't know how to call it. So I, I just always thought there was something wrong. And, you know, when I was in school, I was taking classes and I wanted to take everything. So I was doing Kung Fu, but I also wanted to do ballet. And they were like, no, you have to choose one. It's one elective. I was like, no, I want to do both. And they're like, well, then do ballet because you're a girl. It's like, no, I want to do Kung Fu too. <laughs> I want to do both of them. <sighs> and then when it comes to like choosing your career, I was like, well, I'm going to go to law school and business school and I'm going to take like English classes because I want to be a writer. They're like, uh, no, choose one major. No, I can't do that because I'm going to get bored. I'm going to stop in the middle. I have to do all of them. And it was always just faced with people not understanding and thinking I was trying to be difficult. So I never knew how to call myself. It was just that, you know, am I crazy? And that, that was the growing up feeling on me, like from childhood to university and kind of feeling that I was so open to be part of any group. And I was, you know, I, I love hanging out with people that love rock and I love hanging out with people that like Samba and I love different groups. Uh, and then the groups were like, well, but if you're with our group, why are you also going to this other thing? You should just be doing this. So it was that interesting mix of, I can get along with everybody, but I can't just choose one group and I end up being alienated because I'm not choosing anybody. So I felt lost for most of my 
childhood years. And then I kind of just took that lone wolf approach to say, you know what, that's, that's who I am. I'm going to keep learning things. I'm going to keep doing my thing. And one day, maybe I'll find someone who has the same kind of vibe. And if I don't, I'll just keep, you know, my books are my company. I'll have always something to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I can definitely relate to your story. It's funny that you'd have that pressure or, I don't know, criticism from your peers even. I feel like we often get it from our parents and our parents have their own perspective on things. But even your peers would often say, you know, why don't you choose that one thing? Yeah, I think it was, uh, I went to like a private school that was very focused on getting you into university. So I think everybody had, you know, I'm going to be an engineer, so I'm taking this classes to get into this school and do this career. So they all had this very clear path. And I was 16 and I said, you know what? I don't know what I want to do. So I want to start working. And they're like, why would you do that? Like, we're studying. We're students. That's what we do. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't want to start working after four years of university and then find out I hate what I'm doing. I want to start now. And that was that you're the one doing something different. So I think in part it was people around me didn't understand why I was trying to be different. And they really just thought I was trying to be difficult. Hmm. Uh, okay. Well, did you feel in the end, how did you, I guess, adapt to, you know, still having to make some decisions? Did you have to, did you end up taking a certain course or program in university and just have to make some kind of decisions? Yeah. So I, <laughs> I had to decide on a couple of sacrifices. So I really wanted to study languages and I ended up saying no to that. But mm -hmm. I, I started working full time right after high school. And then I was attending law school at night. And I was doing a online business degree on the weekends. So I kind of find I didn't sacrifice everything, but I found ways to fit everything in. It wasn't easy because there was sometimes, especially when it was getting close to exams and deadlines at work, they're like, oh my God, I overdone it here. But uh, in the end, like, I ended up being able to do all of those things. So it kind of worked out, but you have to drop something, which I wasn't happy about. So I was like, you know, when I finish this, I'm going to go back and do another major in languages because I really wanted to do that. Like it wasn't an interest that was going away. It was something that even if I am pursuing, you know, law or pursuing business, I should miss that other piece that I didn't go for. Hmm. Yeah, that's the hard thing. Like a little bit of that fear of missing out FOMO thing and uh, trying to juggle all the interests. And, you know, I sometimes think, should I have done a different degree? Because maybe I'd be in a different career that I might enjoy more now. And yeah, it's really hard to know when to go back to things, when to drop them, when to let them go, when to keep going. Sometimes it can be a struggle. <laughs> yeah. And I think in parts is how we are taught, right? Like we're taught that you make one decision and everything else and you should be connected to the one decision. Yeah, And that totally. kind of, transitions into how I came to Canada because it was I was in the end of law school I was working full-time and I had been doing the same job for about four years and I was like okay I, I don't like this job and there's nothing wrong about the job I'm just bored it's a great company mm -hmm. people are here to retire here but I'm 20 I don't want to stay here into retirement <laughs> so yeah, totally. I started thinking about what am I going to do and when I start talking to my parents or my friends about maybe I'll just take a year out and just see how I feel. Everybody's like, are you crazy? You're going to ruin your career. And then I said, like, how do I find that one year gap to figure out what I want to do without ruining my career? And at that time in Brazil, there was, you know, every job that was with a good company, they were saying you need to be fluent in English. So it's like, hey, if I take a year off to go to Canada, 
I'm fluent in English now, so I can put that on my resume that I did this program in Canada for a year, but I'm also away from everybody. So I can just figure it out what I want to do without Mm -hmm. the pressure of people. What are you doing? Why are you doing it? And how is this going to connect to the big plan? So I came to Canada. The the big plan. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The big plan that everybody always wants you to have. And yeah. 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 But that was, that was it for me. So coming to Canada, it was okay. There's absolutely nobody that I know in here. So I can do anything and just test things out and figure it out what I want to do. So how did you end up in Canada? Did you always want to come here specifically? Uh, No, I always wanted to go to the UK. But uh, I had a lot of friends in the UK doing the same kind of like a one-year exchange program. I had a lot of friends in the US and I didn't really know anybody coming to Canada. So I figured if I really want to practice English, there's one thing about Brazilians. When you come and you know they're Brazilian, they will speak Portuguese with you. It doesn't matter that you're all here to learn English. We would just communicate in Portuguese. So it's like, I want to be forced to practice because if I'm going to spend a year here, I want to be completely fluent by the end of the year. So Canada was the place that I had nobody that you know, I knew or that would make me not speak English. So it was kind of, you know, let me isolate myself to force myself to learn the language and figure it out. I love that. I feel like you ask a lot of people why come to Canada and I have heard different things. Like I've heard people say, well, it's easier to get into Canada than it is to the US, which can be true. Um, or like I came to Canada because I had the option of going to Germany as well, which is a whole other story, long story. But um, I was like, no, Canada is close to my family because they're in the US. So I decided to come to Canada instead. And so you hear all these different things. But I love how you're like, I didn't want to go to the UK and just speak Portuguese. (laughs) (laughs) That's so awesome. You hear all the stories of people that, oh, yeah, I've been in the UK or in, in the US for like 10 years. And they barely speak English and say, how is that possible? They're like, oh, we moved to a Portuguese or a Brazilian neighborhood. All of our friends are Brazilian. We go to Brazilian stores and Brazilian restaurants. So you can live years in another country without having to learn the language just because there's so many Brazilian immigrants everywhere that you can find people that speak your language. And I didn't want to do that. (laughs) That's so interesting. I know that um, in... I think it's Brazil. There's a large Japanese population. Is that right? Yes, yes. We have a whole neighborhood in Sao Paulo. That's right. Yeah, I've heard of that. And then I, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought I heard that a lot of people in that community also just speak Japanese. Yes, all the signs. So that's really interesting. The street signs and like you go there, there's some stores that if you don't speak the language, like if you don't speak Japanese, you can't really shop there because they don't speak any <laughs> language of Portuguese. Yeah. That's so funny. I just, it's funny. You're like people leave Brazil and never learn whatever language, the language of wherever they go. And then there's also this part of Brazil where people just speak Japanese. It's just so funny. Yeah. It's small <laughs> like bubble communities that form and you yeah. live there for years without having to speak any language, like any word of the language. Yeah. It's, it's it's very interesting, actually. But uh, yeah, it, it happens. Well, I will say your dedication has really paid off. I mean, your English yeah. is impeccable. So yeah. yeah. So when was all that? How long have you been here? Seven years. Yeah, okay. so that was back cool. in 2013. So, so you came you came to learn English and stayed. <laughs> yeah. So originally, the program I was in was a three-month program. And then I extended it to six and then I extended it again. And then uh, when I was just about to say, okay, it's time to go back home now because I don't have anything else to justify being here, uh, I met my husband uh, and he's Canadian. Ah, so that'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> that changed all the plans. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. So you never did go back to live in Brazil after that? Uh, I, did I did go back. So 
it's a funny story. Uh, but he took like six months to ask me out on a date. And when he actually <laughs> asked me out, it was the day before I was heading back home. So I already had the flight and everything. Ugh. And it was like my last night in Canada. I'm assuming he knew that, yes, right? Yes, yes. So that's when he's like, oh, you know, I'm going to miss the chance. Great. Do you want to go on a date? Okay, okay. And it's like, that's fine. But tomorrow morning, like, you're going to have to come pick me up and take me to the airport because that, that'll be our date. Yeah. And so we had like our first date the night before I went back to Brazil. And then we did long distance for about like three months. And then he said, I'm going to come over and, and visit you in Brazil. And when he came over, he proposed. So I moved back to Brazil for about three months and then we got engaged and then the plans changed to move back to Canada. Nice. <laughs> that is a funny story. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, this reminds me of my, my cousin who's from Canada, from Ottawa originally, and he went to a, he's a doctor. He went to a medical conference in San Francisco. Let me think, I think around 2005 or so. And he met a woman from Brazil. She's from Sao, near Sao Paulo, uh, Tatsui, just outside of Sao Paulo. Um, anyway, they met and obviously they, uh, took an interest in each other, et cetera, et cetera. And then they got, they did get married and, um, they, they spend most of their time in Hamilton, which is just west of Toronto, but they're actually in Brazil right now and spend, you know, at least a couple months of the year there. They've been down this time for a good four or five months, but, um, it's been neat for us because it gets to know her and her family comes to visit sometimes and they have three kids now. And they're trilingual because they speak Portuguese at home, English with their friends, but they're in French immersion too. Oh, so nice. to hear them speak all three languages, it's impressive. It's really neat. Yeah. But as, we really enjoyed having that influence in our lives, the Brazilian culture and Portuguese language is fun. I, I don't know if you had this experience, but my husband always mentions that because in Portuguese, we pronunciate the R so much. Whenever he hears me talking <laughs> to my family, he's always like, are you okay? Did you guys get into a fight? What happened? I was like, no, we were having fun. We were just talking. What are you talking about? It was like, that sounded angry. Like you were all saying, like, it was so loud and, you know, yelling. It was like, no, we were laughing and having fun and making jokes. And we finally realized that it was the R's. Like they're not used to hearing the yeah. R so much. So when I'm talking Portuguese, yeah, always thinks I'm angry. I can totally relate to that because my family is German and we speak German and um, my husband has learned a tiny bit but doesn't speak very much and uh, he doesn't really think it sounds angry anymore but I think when we first started going out and he heard me speaking German and then other friends of mine when they hear German they're like it sounds so angry and I'm like it's not angry like yeah, <laughs> yeah. and also I think um, something that Canadians have a hard time with is I mean, this could be my American and German-ness, but I'm very blunt sometimes. And sometimes I think Canadians are kind of like, uh, like awkward about it. And I'm like, what? It's just... Yeah, that's true. That's how I am. <laughs> I'm just blunt. And yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel yeah. like my husband wasn't... He didn't think it was weird when my family or when I'm blunt, like it was okay. But I think it was weird for my parents when they came to visit because they would say something and like my parents speak very little English. So they're putting their effort into trying to speak the language and they'll say something it's like mom you can't say that and she's like why i'm just saying what i think like no you can't say that like it, it's canada you can't just say things like this and it's nothing offensive like it's nothing she doesn't mean anything by it it's just it's so blunt and it's so direct yes. there's like people will yes. be offended so you can't say that yeah 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 and my mom is just like well i'm well, already speaking yeah. a different language now i have to learn a different tone it's like exactly <laughs> yeah that's so hard yeah i get it how was it for you making that decision to, you know, stay in Canada and commit to here? Do, do you guys ever think of moving to Brazil and spending more time there? Or are you basically like Canada's going to be home? Yeah, I'd, 
we had that conversation, especially like my husband came to visit me in Brazil in the peak of the Brazilian summer. So he was like, why do you want to leave this country? Everything here is so beautiful. We should just stay here forever. Uh, and then I took him to the subway. I was like, let's take a ride on the subway in Sao Paulo on a regular Friday. And then he changed his mind very quickly. <laughs> uh, I think Brazil is beautiful and I miss it a lot. We like going to visit. The plan before COVID was that we would go one year. My parents would come one year. But it's unfortunate just like the quality of life. It's uncomparable. Like the, the quality of life and the opportunities you have in Canada, you can't even start to compare with what it would be like in Brazil. So I think that was the big decision. It was like, if we need to settle in one place for our family, uh, I really think Canada would be the best place for it. And uh, we can always go back and visit and we can always, you know, take time off and, and, and go spend time with my family. Uh, and even just from a currency perspective, if you're, you know, working in Canada, going to Brazil, it's so cheap. Versus if you're in Brazil, when you try to come to Canada, that's like a lot more paychecks to get that play, uh, plane ticket paid. So we ended up making the decision to stay in Canada. I think like overall, it's the right decision for us. It's the right place. But we certainly wish we could visit more often. The distance sometimes is not, it's not easy to navigate, especially with my, my parents are still there and my sister's still there. So we miss them a lot. Yeah. Yep. I understand. Yeah. <sighs> it's hard, you know, we, my, I, I, I feel lucky now because I mean, my wife is from Quebec and I'm from Ontario and it, we thought that was pretty big distance, which, uh, I don't know, a few hundred kilometers, but then you meet a lot of other people <laughs> in like the other side of the world or something like that. And it does put things in perspective for sure. But it was, you know, it's still a big decision for me, at least it was to move into the French speaking world here in Quebec. And like I was, I guess, early thirties and yeah, you learn a bit of kind of core French and English school here and basically anywhere outside of Quebec, you know, whether it's the Ontario or British Columbia, like you get a little bit of French. Maybe if you're lucky, you get in French immersion and can practice a bit more, but you don't really get immersed unless you spend time in Quebec. So I knew a little bit of vocabulary, but that was a big thing for me was to take on the language as well. I guess it comes down to the, the willingness, the open-mindedness to learn languages. We love talking about languages on this show. We do. <laughs> yeah. And we're working on, now here's a, actually, this is a good question for you. Um, have you come across many other Portuguese speakers in the partyverse, whether it's Brazil, Portugal, or anywhere else, do we have a bit of a community? Because we'd love to do a Portuguese episode of the Multipod. Oh, that would be great. I don't think I've met yeah. too many people that, that speak like Brazilian Portuguese, but it was kind of funny because we had one of the uh, meetings that I was meeting someone from the Better Word huddle, and we're the new facilitators, and we're trying to figure it out how to get the group going. And we joined the meeting and she said like, Oh, I'm sorry. English is not my first language. So I hope you can understand me. I was like, Oh, it's not my first language either. And I'm like, what do you speak? She's like, Oh, I'm Spanish, but I speak, I live in Portugal. So I speak Portuguese from Portugal. And we had the whole conversation in this little mix of like English, Portuguese, and Spanish. And it was super interesting because we just, it was so natural to all of them just come together. And I understand Spanish. I don't speak any Spanish, but we were able to completely communicate in this mix of three languages, which was a very interesting type of conversation. Neat. Yeah. We'll keep pursuing the Portuguese angle and um, getting some more episodes. We're, we're doing a Spanish episode of the Multipod. Uh, Vanessa, are you going to work on a German one, do you think, soon? 
I think Flo and I were talking yeah. about that briefly, so that'd be cool to do. Yeah, I can do French one. Yeah, do my rusty German, which is very nerve wracking to think about doing that on a podcast, but that's okay. Sure. <laughs> I'm fluent in German. I just like don't speak it enough, and so yeah, my grammar and everything starts to go downhill. If I practice more and speak it more, it comes back. But that's good. Yeah. I'm starting to feel that as well. And I feel so bad because sometimes I'm talking to my parents and I start forgetting the words in Portuguese or I just switch back to English. And my mom was like, no, you've been speaking Portuguese for 20 years. You're not going to just forget it now. <laughs> and I was like, I just haven't been speaking for Like I just speak to my parents in Portuguese, nobody else. So yep. uh, I'm starting to miss out some of the words. And she's like, you start practicing because you're not going to forget your mother tongue. Like, okay, mom, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, it's the struggle of uh, having multiple languages in a household, for sure, or multiple languages in a family, I should say, yeah. Has your husband picked up some Portuguese then? Is he interested? He learned a little bit. It's easier when we are in Brazil because he starts actually, you know, trying to speak with the locals and everything. With me, sometimes he just gets tired and goes back to English. Uh, he knows how to ask for another beer and how to ask for directions for the washroom. So... <laughs> That's the two main things he needs to know when we go to Brazil. So important. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Yeah, those ones I taught him once and he never forgot. Nice. Nice. <laughs> All right. So we're really curious about what you do for a living. And <laughs> I think it sounds like you found uh, a great uh, solution, I guess, to, you know, multipotentiality and being able to do something that has variety and every day is different. Uh, and really helps out people like us who, you know, maybe struggle to focus and organize and, and make those kinds of decisions, I guess. So can you tell us a bit about Complexly Simple? Yeah. So when I decided to move to Canada and we made the decision and I started looking for jobs here and trying to figure out what the next step was, I was faced with the same challenge, right? Like it took a year off to figure out what I wanted to do, but I did not have a one answer. And I started thinking, like, what can I do that will allow me to be diverse and will allow me to pursue one career, but with different aspects of it? And I started working for a nonprofit organization, and they were so small that they needed someone to help with everything. <laughs> so it was, we can't afford 10 people on staff, but we need help with social media. Do you know how to manage this? Like, yeah, I would love to learn that. Oh, but we also need someone to help us with the books. Can you help us with that? So, I would love to do that. So it kind of fit perfectly because the small companies, they need, you know, smart generalists. They need people that can do a little bit of everything to keep things going and to help them grow. And then the light bulb went up. I was like, that's exactly what I want to do. I want to do consulting. I want to work with uh, nonprofits, startups, small business that can't afford to have a specialist for everything uh, and still need all the help. And I can, you know, adjust. So sometimes I say, I really wish I could work with a little bit more of writing because I haven't done that in a while. And I'll find a client that needs copywriting. So that gives me something to work on that project. And then it's like, oh, I would love to learn graphic design. And this client needs some social media help so I can work with Canva and design some graphics. So it kind of gives me that variety to go through everything. But the second part of that is that when you start working with small business, and especially in the nonprofit and social enterprise, they also have that we're doing this for a big cause, which complemented everything for me was I'm not only finding alignment with what I want to do in terms of having that variety, but I'm also helping people that have a social impact 
or they want to help people's lives. They have like a bigger purpose that they're doing the business from. So it's my way to contribute for a better future while also finding alignment with my personality and the way I like to do things. So all of that came together. And when I was trying to explain to people again, like, so what do you do again? Are you like a management consultant? You're a social media, a virtual assistant? And I kept trying to explain. And then this thought came to mind. It's like, you know what? Our lives are complex. And the business needs of a small company are complex. And we can simplify it by having it less people with the right processes and the right knowledge. We don't need to make it complicated, but we don't need to just erase the variety and complexity of it. So if you think about the light switch, if I want the light to be on, I want to click the light switch and the light to go on. I don't want to know how complex it is to make the light switch work, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. But it's there. Like it, it is that. Like you don't ask, oh, can the light switch be simple just because I don't want to learn how to do the engineering for it. And my part is I want to do the complex piece. Mm-hmm. I want to do all the complicated things in the back that make simple for others to enjoy. And that's where complexity simple came from. So it's like I will do the complex parts of the business of operating it and project management and doing, you know, wearing seven different hats and doing a different thing every day. But your business will just have the simple of, I have support, I can grow because I have this structure. So it was like the perfect match of the two things. That's really cool. I like um, the name, Complexly Simple. (laughs) I like that juxtaposition. (laughs) Yeah, it was kind of like, it really described me perfectly because it was exactly that. It's like, it's complex. I have many different things that I like to do, many different interests. They might not make sense for someone outside. But for me, it's simple. It's me. I can't change it because it's one thing, but it is complex for other people's eyes. So it kind of came as a a natural denotation for me. (laughs) It looks like you can take on clients, I guess, at at various stages of their development, whether they're just like brand new starting out or they've been established and they're trying to figure things out still. Yeah. So I work, it's kind of like, I call it the create spectrum. So it's like when you're constructing an idea, you don't really know what you want to do yet. You're just saying, wouldn't it be great if, but I don't know how, and I can work with you to help you develop that and see like, what is your idea? How do you construct it? How do you create something solid that you can say, this is what my idea is. And then the next time is the refining of it. So some people already have the idea, they know what they want to do, but they need help with, you know, creating the website, refining it, presenting it, finding the copy, the right way to explain it. Uh, and then the next stage is when you have all of that, you're executing. So it's like, I have the idea, I have the, the branding, I know how to sell it. I just need help actually doing it. And that's usually where I get with most of my clients is the operational part. Hmm. So implementing the project, implementing the idea, but especially with, you know, the changing world that we live in, there is the other two aspects of it, which is when you're trying to amplify, so you're ready to grow you also need to come back and rethink the structure uh, or when you're ready to pivot because things didn't go the way you wanted. You also need to have that kind of change management process of saying, how do I get what I have and transfer to something different that will adapt to the world? Mm-hmm. So in all these different spectrums, it, it, it fits my multi-potential view of, I can help you if you're starting something brand new, but I can also help you to get something you have and turn it into something else. Because that's what you do as a multipotentialite, right? Like I, I had a career in this and now I want to do something else. You're not starting from zero. You're just right. transferring it. And I think 
a lot of businesses when they test something and it doesn't go the way they want, there's like, I'm done. I'm just going to close doors because I have to create everything over again. And it's nice to come back to them and say, no, you don't need to start it over. You just need to adapt. And that's how you transfer skills. That's how you transfer clients or message and how you, you grow from change. And that, that has been very rewarding for me too. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about taking multi-potentialite skills and creating a career out of them. It's a question that a lot of multi-potentialites have about what can I do as a multi-potentialite with all of my different skills? How can I put them in the practice and make money doing it too? Because it's important. <laughs> so it's very cool that you have figured out a way to literally take your multi-potentiality and use it for your work. It's very cool. Yeah, it's been so rewarding because I think the same way that I felt so refreshed and so, you know, welcome when I found the community, that's what a lot of my clients feel. Like they say, I didn't know how to do this. Everybody was just saying, no, your idea is too big. You're too small. You're not going to be able to do this. Yeah. Just focus on one thing. So it's through in business, just as is in our personal lives. Like people always try to tell you to limit yourself, cut things out and just do one thing as a business, as a person, as a career. And I find it very rewarding to be able to tell people like, no, you don't need to cut things out. What do you want to do? How are we going to fit the pieces together? And then, you know, you might not be doing everything at once, but it's still on the plan and we will address it. We're not going to cut it out just because it's easier. We're going to find a way to build that alignment and find the pillars of your company or your values and how we can just bring them together and wrap it into a, a business plan that works for everything. It sounds like you strategize by taking a big idea or a big project and really breaking it down into smaller components to reach the end goal. And then, of course, as you said, maybe you pivot or change things in between depending on how things need to be tweaked. But essentially, it's taking a big thing and breaking it down. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. It's like turning the, the complex idea into simple solutions. So it is breaking it down and seeing what is the what are the commonalities, right? So sometimes you have three different product ideas, you want to launch the three. And when you start explaining them, it sounds like they're completely different. But then when you start like, wait, but there is something in common between them. So you could share, like you, you could direct this to the same audience and then they will make the choice of product. And you say, okay, which one is the more important one? What's the base one? Let's start with that. And now we build that thinking that there will be add-ons. So we don't leave the other parts for later. We build it in phases to say, first, we need the foundation. We're going to do this, but we're not going to forget the other things we want to do. We have them in mind all along and we will make sure that they get added at the right time. But you're not overwhelming yourself because you kind of know, you know, the little sprints of gets this done and then next thing, and the next thing. And from a business perspective, it also gives you that good feeling of, hey, we did phase one. We got it. And sometimes when you try to launch everything at the same time, nothing happens or you don't see progress and you just feel that overwhelm of like, oh my God, I'm failing. Nothing is happening. But if you break it down, you have the win. You can celebrate like, hey, I launched the first project. This is great. Now we can do the second one. So I think that that is important to, to have those little wins to keep your motivation going when you're implementing a lot of things at the same time. Do you find that a lot of your clients, they probably aren't aware of the term, of course, and, and even in themselves, but do you think that a lot of your clients are probably multi-potentialites? I do. I've been preaching the community for a lot of them because we started talking and I was like, you have to join this. You're going to love it and you're going to understand. And, you know, some of them, they done some research and they say, oh, I heard about this thing called polymath. I think I'm a polymath. 
or someone say like, oh, I'm a scanner. That's what they call me. Like you're a scanner, you're just scanning things. So there's a few different terminologies that people use uh, to define themselves. But when I explain the multipotentialite version of that, I think it always gets them more excited because it's like, oh, so it's not that I'm just scanning because I don't want to permit you anything. I actually, I have this variety of interests. Right? And uh, I, I think that is a trend. It is that the mix. There's two trends. I think it is the multipotentialite version of like, they all have those multiple interests. And then I think uh, from that comes that desire of helping people. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of the, the nonprofits, social enterprises I work with, they felt that misplacement. They felt that the world is telling me to try something different because it's too complicated to do this. So I think as they grow, they always have that in mind of, I want to help people feel more included. I want people to feel that to reach success, to find alignment, to find focus. So it's a very great uh, client to work with because it's, it's always positive working with people that are working on themselves, are learning new things, and also thinking about how to invest in a better world. Where do you find your clients? How do they find about you? It's been mostly community. Uh, I think like networking events or just uh, interacting with people on social media. I I was trying to figure out my like marketing strategy of like how do I want to you know promote myself and it never felt very natural to me. Like I haven't found one thing that's like this is my way of finding people. But I believe in relationships. I think when I see someone doing something great. I have no problem saying, hey, uh, have you ever thought about this? And it's really, you know, no strings attached just because I want to help. And those relationships tend to grow and develop. And it's like, hey, now I'm ready. Now I'm finally working on that idea that we talked about. Can you help me? So it's really just building relationships and coming from a place of transparency and being authentic and trying to help people. It's uh, it's fascinating. It sounds like a lot of work when you have a client. Like, do you do it all yourself or do you delegate or outsource stuff? Uh, so we've been growing. Uh, it was used to be all by myself. And then it got to a point that I was like, okay, I can't do this by myself because I'll start having to limit myself again. So my husband works with me now. So he kind of joined the company too. So we work together, which is great. That's cool. Yeah, I've been able to bring some friends into different projects as well. So uh, my sister is an illustrator. So when I have something related to social media, like she jumps in, she helps me with it. Uh, I have friends in Brazil, they're graphic designers. So I've been able to kind of delegate and use the connection of people I know. So I, I like the collaboration approach. Like, yes, I can do a little bit of everything. But when a client comes and is like, no, I need a full on social media strategy. I need a specialist or at least I need consulting specialist to help me with something. Mm-hmm then it's great to have that network of people that I know that can jump in and collaborate with me. Hmm. Nothing like using your network. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like a a great resource for Putty EP, basically people in the community to maybe find some work, but be able to to do, to help you out in your business and contribute, you know, their skills and knowledge too. There's a lot of opportunity. Yeah. I'm always open for meeting new people and knowing about their different passions and even some of the people that work with me, they'll say, you know, I've been doing A for this long, but I always wanted to try B. I was like, great. Do you want to work with me? I have a project. Like, let's try it. And it's a great place for, you know, experimenting. Uh, I have some people that work with me that they're just out of school, so they don't have any of the experience to start applying for jobs. Mm. So I was like, great. Do you, do you need a project? Tell me what it is, and I'll see if I have a client that needs it. And it's really just this, you know, organic community building of, Let's collaborate and help each other grow. Wow. This is really cool. (laughs) 
<laughs> I didn't realize it was quite so um, collaborative. That's really neat. I mean, I guess it goes without saying then that you're able to make a living from it and it's a, you know, it's a successful business. Yes. Yeah. yeah it was surprising. I, I didn't know, like I started on the side, I didn't know where it was going to go. And it surprised me how it grew and it was successful and it's so fulfilling. Like you're not, you know, that feeling of like, oh, I'm working and I hate my job and yeah. it's Monday. And <laughs> it's the complete opposite now because it would be like, I'm having like, oh, no, it's Monday. It's going to be a long week. And I have like 10 meetings today. But each meeting just makes me feel so like happy. So sometimes I had a very tired day and I'm exhausted. I'm just like, but I had so many ideas today and we're helping with this. And I'm thinking about this other thing. And it, it's very rewarding because it doesn't feel like work. It feels like, you know, you're living your passion. You're doing something you love every day. And I mean, there's always one project or one aspect of it that you don't love, but you can't really avoid that. Uh, but overall, like most of it is, it's very rewarding. It's working with people that are positive. They're trying to create a good impact. And I think that collaboration piece is what brings me the most reward. Yeah. It's like, I, I don't feel like I'm competing with people. Like when I was going to law school, it was a very cutthroat kind of industry and I hated it. So hmm working with people that you don't have to worry about competition it's like oh you're doing this i'm doing something similar how can we work together that is very refreshing mm, love collaboration yeah hmm. that's something that i really thrive on too yeah it's been it's been great <laughs> awesome yeah how can people best get in touch with you yes so we have a fresh new website uh complexlysimple.ca and I'm also on LinkedIn, on Instagram, and Facebook. Mm -hmm. All of the profiles under uh, at Complexly Simple or at Marcella Killen. And connect with me. I'm happy to collaborate and find out other ways to support people and pretty feet as well. Yeah, neat. Oh, this is really cool. Yeah, very cool. Okay. Well, it's been really neat to get uh, to know your story and uh, to chat with someone who's almost just down the road from where I am. <laughs> Next time I'm coming through Toronto, I, I grew up in Peterborough, so northeast of uh, where you are in Ajax, about an hour or so. So I know that neck of the woods quite well. Nice. One of these days, we'll be back that way. So we'll uh, we'll drop by. But yeah, this is really neat and very inspiring. I'm definitely going to look up some more of your business and uh and learn some more of these opportunities. So everyone listening, feel free to reach out to Marcy. Yeah, I'm always looking for new connections. And thanks for having me. It was very fun to be here today. And yeah, loving the community. Love to be part of it. Yeah, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thanks. Thanks.